Chris Biddle, and thank you for joining me for episode 110 of Inside AgriTurf. I recently published an episode talking to Anna Eccleston from the Farmers Weekly and Kit Franklin from Harper Adams University, previewing the New Scientist Live event, which was held over three days in early October at London's Excel Centre. Billed as the world's greatest festival of ideas and discoveries, the event attracts those seeking information and inspiration about this changing world and how science and engineering is working to solve many of its challenges. And after two general public days, New Scientist Live held a dedicated schools day. There were internationally renowned speakers, and Kit Franklin was one, and loads of interactive displays and demonstrations. And this year, the future of farming and food production took up the largest area with land-based engineering a focal point, with Agco, John Deere and Kuhn supplying the kit, supported by the cross-industry We Are Land-Based Engineering campaign, which was launched just about a year ago. Now, feedback from all involved suggests a highly successful event. So I thought I would invite three guests who were part of the event to provide their personal take on New Scientist Live 2023. And they are Anna Eccleston, Commercial Director of the Farmers Weekly, who I welcome once again. Richard Charles, Manager After Sales Training, Dealer Readiness and Business Development for the Agco Corporation. And Dan Fasham from the Agricultural Engineers Association, the AEA, who is representing the We Are Land-Based Engineering campaign. Thank you very much, all of you, for, for joining me today. So maybe I could come to you first, Anna. Was it mission accomplished as far as you're concerned? Yeah, I believe so, Chris. We had a fantastic event. We uh, occupied, uh, as we did last year, the, the largest floor space for our entire exhibit. We had a huge amount of activities and different interactions going on across the stand. And by far and away, we believe we probably engaged with, you know, if not all of their visitors, certainly most, and and actually, New Scientists just published on Friday in a, a provisional visitor number of twenty three thousand and forty five people, which is a nine percent growth year on year. I think probably the growth came on the schools day because I'm sure the guys will agree we were incredibly busy on the schools day. There were there were thousands of children there, really engaging very very well. And I'll, I'll let Richard and and Dan talk about the different activities that they did. Uh, but we we had a fantastic event. There's there's yeah, I've no doubt about it at all. And Richard, the same for you. Very pleased with the outcome of the event. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the third one uh, we've attended now, and it's it's just so good to engage with uh, you know the wider audience for the ag industry. It amazes me every time we do one the the sort of lack of understanding really of of the industry of our industry. And it's just good to have those conversations uh, with, you know, parents of young children at the same time as, you know, more sort of developed teenager graduate types. And, and, and yeah, as I said, just having the conversations with them, hoping to sow a seed, excuse the pun, uh, in their minds of the career types that are available in the ag industry. And, you know, just as I said, 
it's just great to engage with those sort of people and, and showcase our wonderful industry. Generally, we're very good at talking amongst ourselves as an industry, but we don't get the opportunity, do we, to um, push that to engagement out to a much wider audience. And I guess this gave you the opportunity to do so. Um, Dan, you would have been wearing the uh, We Are Land-Based Engineering badge, if you like. Uh, what, um, what was your role there? How were you uh, explaining land-based engineering and, and through what sort of methods? So we try to use a bit more of a hands-on approach as we've done at previous events uh, this year and trying to get the engagement from the children themselves um, through a series of easy questions once you're in the industry, but they're good questions to ask about the machinery that they could see physically in front of them. So from that point, we got their interest and then we could speak to them on a more open front about the engineering side of it, that it isn't just big gears, big hammers, old school equipment. There's a lot more technicality to it now, which I don't think many people do appreciate. And, and uh, Richard, if we just come back to you just a minute, uh, what equipment did you have and, and how were you uh, engaging the visitors? So we had a range of, um, of different armrests uh, from, from each of our sort of uh, tractor products, ultimately. But the main showpiece really was the uh, the Fent Forage Harvester. Um, it's the new model uh, of Forage Harvester with the, the Libra engine, uh, the 847 horsepower uh, machine, which is uh, it's great to have on a, on a show stand on that because it is a bit of a showpiece. It's a large machine. And for the young children over the weekend, it's probably the best climbing friend they can ever wish for. Um, but then, the, you know, the questions come from the likes of graduates and, and uh, more developed teenagers at the school's day on the different types of technologies that are in this in these types of machines in the industry. Um, so, yeah, that's where we were really, just showcasing the type of technology we have in our products. What did you, did you learn from the visitors? We'll come on to some of the questions in a minute. But Anna, uh, did you... You, I guess, had a roving brief during the, the event. Um, what were you thinking out? Uh, we, we interviewed uh, or talked to Kit about his uh, presentation. Did that go down well? Um, yeah, Kit did a talk on the Sunday. Uh, that went down really, really well. Uh, Professor Tom McMillan from Royal Agricultural University also did a talk uh, over the weekend, actually on the Saturday as well. For two very, very different talks, Tom's been m more focused on, on, on meat and the future of meat. And, and Kit's obviously focused on hands-free engineering, um, but both were very, very popular, uh, which is great to see. And again, the size of the, I suppose, the seating arrangements at New Scientist Live, they must have had, I think, probably in and around kind of 500 seats in front of each of the stages there. There's four stages with talks going on um, the whole time um, at the same time as well. So you have to pick and choose as a visitor which talk you go along to. Um, and then I believe the visitors do have um, access to all of the talks on demand as a result of their ticket purchase as well. So they can, of course, access more of the talks afterwards. So the talks went well. Um, I mean, the way that the, the, the exhibit, our experience came together, I mean, I had a lot of feedback there, how we were the most engaging and most interactive and most almost interesting and exciting exhibit there. Um, yeah, people could roam around and do, you know, from... Uh, putting on a, a set of VR or headset goggles from Harper Adams University to uh, see a field or farm from the past, the present and the future, to go and do some kind of insect tasting with RAU, to go and to do um, 
DNA extraction and learning about DNA and genetics in, in wheat breeding with KWS, uh, to going to smell kind of insect pheromones with Rothamsted Research and many, many other things as well. I, I mentioned those because they're kind of purposely outside of the machinery sector, um, but we had a right. tremendous amount going on and, and the feedback there and then um, from from all people, you know, all different ages was was incredibly popular. And it's really interesting when you do see, you know, older people as well engaging in conversation, asking questions, because let's not forget why we do this there specifically at New Scientist Line is to get to the influencers. You know, we want to really try and change their minds about whatever preconceptions they might have about our industry so that those that they are influencing, you know, they, they can, you know, they can have a positive impact on them as well when they know more about what a good industry we work in. Sure. I saw a very interesting comment from one of the people in your exhibit. Um, I think it was Kate Brunswick uh, from the Innovate Agritech Group, who I believe are specialists in vertical farming. But, yeah. but I, I see she said that the questions were terrifyingly insightful and challenging. And she said, I, I thought I knew the industry. And so were absolutely hilarious. And Richard, from your point of view, um, what sort of questions were coming? And did many come from left field? Yeah, it's a good mix, really. But I suppose the question that we were asked more often than not was the type of engines we're using. Will you see uh, this type of machine going electric? Uh, what steps have you taken to ensure that you are sort of environmentally friendly? Of course, all of our machines are fitted with you know SCR systems and are, and are relatively clean for today's standards. We know we need to take it to the next step. We did explain that we've got electric tractor in the pipeline due to be released in 2024, but simply for the size of that machine, uh, the battery technology is not quite there. So we're hoping for alternative fuels uh, that can still fit with an with a internal combustion engine. That was very much the sort of, you know, the arena where those, those questions were heading, um, certainly from a, from a machine point of view, without the simple type of questions of what does it actually do. I was going to say, how many people would have known what a forage harvester was and, and what it well, it did actually. They saw this great lump of machinery there, and uh, which looks impressive. And as you say, is a first-class climbing frame. But did many people know what it actually was? No, they just said it was a tractor. Every time we said, "What do you think it is?" It's a tractor. <laughs> okay. Well, this is what it actually is. Uh, you, and then we get into the conversations yes. of the differences between a forage harvester and a combine harvester, and, and where they fit within the industry, um, and who would own them. You know. So on and so forth, yeah. But a lot of the, you know, the, the, a lot of the more challenging type questions were around emissions control and power units and whether it would be electric in the future. Uh, and what about you, Dan? Uh, what sort of questions were you getting? We've often within our industry questions whether anybody actually understands the term land-based engineering. And of course, that campaign that you're representing there is now what a year old, I think, um, and has been, I would say. Uh, very successful in, in, in what it's set out to do. Um, well, what, what sort of in, what sort of questions were you getting about the industry? Did you get a feel for that? Um, yes, it was. It was quite nice. I think Gareth and I had a bit of a preconception of we'll have to do a lot of farm to table sort of explanation of farming and the machinery around us. But there was some really engaging questions about not just the technical side of it, but the the build, the design, the technology that now goes into the machinery. And we like to often compare it that we're not actually far off from 
Formula One racing style technology in this machinery. It's just on a different scope. So we have to get that message across. And what was nice, especially when you're engaging with larger groups of children and the adults, is you could get a feel for where their interests lied. So you could end up making the comparisons between the machinery that we had around us and how they, their everyday life experiences are impacted by our industry. There were some fantastic conversations with young people with engineering passion that never considered the agricultural side. And with the, the teams around us, especially with Kuhn Machinery, Agco and John Deere, it made it very easy to show them the really good bits of the engineering side of it. And what I also liked from it as well was the social side of it. From all, all the companies involved, you could see the teams together, which I think is something we as we are land-based engineering want to highlight as an industry as well. But no, genuinely good questions across the board. We were, we had to ask questions. Google was used quite a lot that day with some of the questions that came to us, but no, all around very good. You know, sometimes a bit of confusion about the messaging put across uh, the media in general. I, I find it particularly interesting, this, uh, this advert that's running currently for McCain chips which, which segues straight into regenerative farming. So in other words, if you eat a chip, you're helping regenerative farming. Um, now I'm not whether people actually understand that connection. I mean, it sounds vaguely sustainable and are vaguely environmental, but I don't think it actually answers the question that is really out there. And what does it mean actually? And, and I think we sometimes trip over our words. Adam, uh, was sustainability and environment very high on the agenda as far as this, so? Uh, this event yeah. is concerned? Yeah, it, it was from the beginning, from the very early stages of planning, actually, Chris, that we wanted uh, to really put a strong message across as to what we're trying to achieve there to the audience and actually in all of our promotional marketing as well. Um, and actually, for the first time, we added the tagline, you know, after the title of the exhibit, which was called The Future of Food and Agriculture, how um, feeding the world sustainably, feeding the world sustainably really to enable, even though we've already always had conversations or, or, or our partners have always had conversations directly with the audience because they receive such engaging, kind of inquisitive, curious time and challenging, as Kate puts it, kind of questions, that, that it does feed back into the environment over and over again. And so we, that's why we wanted to almost to label the exhibit this year and that actually, you know, we want to put forward the fact that agriculture is uh, working on things that are part of the solution towards climate change rather than causing the problems, which is kind of what people would often read about. And so, you know, really it comes down to those questions that people ask, that that's when it kind of opens up into a broader conversation. One of our exhibits there was kind of um, maths with cows. So the University of um, Essex maths department were there with a with a big pen and, and some grass there and, and some big kind of images of cows, not real cows. Shame we can't in an indoor exhibit have real animals. Um, but actually what they were showcasing was a cow Fitbit or, a, you know, a, a big, you know, big kind of device that kind of goes carefully around the cow, which tracks their movements and to see where, where they kind of, where they group together, where they're separate, where they're feeding and actually they can track emissions and uh, where, where they're being extracted and moving on from there. So again, the conversation starts is the activity. So, you know, visitors could go in and, and wear one of these things and then see themselves on the screen. 
And then the conversation starts around, you know, the importance of tracking dairy cow, dairy cow movements and the impact on the environment. And that's just one example of many of the things that we had going on on the stand. I remember one of us was asking about the weight, um, the PSI, whether it's the tractor tracks or even no, the forager. It was the John Deere tracks, yeah. Well, it was the so so much lighter than normal, and actually, people are like, but how how is that possible? How is that possible? So again, everything links back to almost you know kind of think about soil compaction and again protecting the environments. Um, so it was you know we are we do succeed in having really good kind of intellectual conversations with the audience there because they are a very curious intellectual audience. They're the ones we do want to engage with. That's why we go sure. there. Don, did, um, did the phrase sustainability in the environment crop up in many of your conversations? Uh, yes, it did. And I think the questions that we had on the knowledge trail, especially for the John Deere PSI for the tracks, what was hoping to lead into those questions, because then it asked more importance of why trucks over tires for certain vehicles and certain jobs within a farm. And then that led on to further questions of, what can this tractor do? And then again, it was nice to have the coon planter with us because then we could explain that would work with that. And then further down the line, the katana would get involved. So it all feeds into each other. Um, but overall, sustainability wasn't a main question with the machinery, but it was over the practice side of it, which again, is more of a, a national level education, I think, for what the farmers and the industry is doing. It isn't just food production. There's a lot of added sustainability within within their everyday roles. And Richard, I mean, you've mentioned uh, the advent of electric tractors. Um, is there any sort of surprise amongst the general public that those aren't here already? Because obviously uh, cars, we can't propel with a car, but people see uh, buses running around, electric buses. Was it fairly easy to explain the, the challenges that uh, you have in, in actually uh, designing and producing an electric tractor and indeed running it, of course. Well, we're still, we're still not there yet, to be honest, uh, Chris. So yes, it is a challenge to sort of explain that, uh, because one, our one isn't released and there's not another manufacturer that's necessarily got one readily available on the marketplace. We, we, you know, my team are all technical trainers. So we all understand about torque and, and horsepower and the likes of. So yes, it is, it was easy for us to explain why we're not there yet but ultimately with the, the steps that we take with our engines and our emissions control and and it's just explaining the fact that the internal combustion engine is relatively clean today as long as it's got the right emissions control installed and to the, to the point that actually what's coming out of the exhaust of the katana is probably cleaner air than what you'd breathe in Portsmouth or or Shanghai or the likes of. Um, and that's uh, the line of answers we gave. Um, there were certain people that would want to go into it a little bit deeper. Uh, and we would go into a little bit more, you know, depth about torque. And you just can't physically get the torque and why the machine needs so much torque. When you're talking about, you know, a nine meter header taking in a thick crop of maize, it does take a lot of driving to then chop it down to two centimeters. You know, you need a lot of power and a lot of torque to be able to do that. Certainly when you start talking about 10, 10 tonnes per minute of crop flow. Uh, and, and that sort of helped them understand then why we need so much power because they're quite staggered in, in the amount that our machines can sort of cope and chop and harvest ultimately. 
Was there a difference, Anna, in the um, the, the two open days, shall I say, and the, the school's day? What range of children did you get from the school's day? Well, I mean, were they children who were specifically interested in STEM subjects, for argument's sake? Um, it was a real range, actually, not specifically. I know, um, and again, the only number I've had is the number I gave earlier in terms of the breakdown and, and in their after show report, they will share far more demographics in terms of how everything is broken down. I expect that I think there was more than 3,000 stu uh, students there that uh, fell under their kind of whitening participation strategy. So those are students who are underprivileged from a STEM point of view. So that's excellent. We saw a lot of homeschool children. I don't know whether you noticed that this year, Rich, but certainly a significant difference this year to last, actually, with a number of parents that have brought their children along on the school's day. Bear in mind, it's not open really? to the public on the school's day. So that was an interesting thing to see. So I'll be interested to find out yeah. more about new scientists from that. But they were, from a key stage point of view, typically we were told that they were key stage two, three, and four. I think there was far more, far more of a majority of secondary school students kind of leaning towards GCSEs than there were much younger. But Chris, there were thousands of them. They were like wasps or ants, I should say. You couldn't even get through the walkways. You couldn't get through our stand. They, they were, and you know, they had some really popular talks on in and around the children walking around the exhibits. They had. Over lunchtime, they did a link up to the International Space Station, which they broadcast live on two of their stages. So a really, really good day out for, for young people with their teachers. Um, versus the weekend, again, their families. So you'll have, you know, children in buggies to children that are probably, you know, teenagers and slightly older, I'd say. So again, it's it's a real mix, but it's the parents that I'd say out with that we're most interested in having the discussion with, while the young people take part in the different activities because they're the ones um, that we're trying to influence. Dan, from your point of view, was there any things that surprised you that you hadn't anticipated very much in terms of the questions or the approach from people? The, the questioning was very direct about the machinery, which was nice. So especially with the John Deere, it was a lot of question over why trucks, was it over-engineered, what's the purpose of this, which then we could lead on to other subjects. We also had a question surrounding the JCB, the world's fastest tractor, just as a, a show of engineering within the UK. And that, that shocked a few people, which was quite nice to see as well. A lot of questions for us personally, for we are land-based, which were good, were to were surrounding where they can go on further to find information. So one of the big things that we were there to do was to show that we are that link to the various companies, organizations, dealers, whatever it is. Um, it was good. We've had some offers from people to suggest further ways of, of pushing that. And then other people saying brilliant idea. So we've got a lot of feedback from it, from the parents, which we weren't expecting from the engagement. So from that, we, we've got a lot of interesting ideas to go up on and especially from the school's day in fact we've been invited to several technical colleges in the south of london which typically wouldn't be an area we would look at but actually it's going to be fantastic engagement because they're already engineering students themselves and what about you richard um, was there anything that came out of left field that surprised you not really no because i say we it was the third event we'd done so we sort of knew the format we were prepared for the, the line of questioning. 
Uh, and we ultimately we were prepared for the amount of people as well. So I think you certainly didn't have any difficult conversations. Um, you know, you're talking about it's quite amazing, really, the amount of people that don't know how many how many stomachs a cow's got. But then, you know, why would they? Uh, um, yeah, nothing, nothing to surprise us. Definitely not this time because, as I said, it was our third time doing the show and we had a format. We knew what we were doing. We knew the line of questioning. Nothing really came any different to what it was the previous twice we've attempted. It was just good to yeah. do. No, no, I suppose we come on now to what next? Are, are you planning to uh, to be there again next year? And if you are, uh, what did you learn from this year? Is there something that would influence the way you approach the, the whole presentation next year? There's always learnings, Chris, for sure. We need more space. <laughs> it was funny, actually, because the seed drill that Kuhn uh, had delivered was more than twice twice the size that we were expecting and more than twice the size that they were expecting. And so, um, but it, I mean, it was magnificent, uh, but it did take up a fair chunk of space. But overall, you know, we are cramming at the, uh, at the sides now. But that's a very nice problem to have because lots of lots and lots of organizations are looking at working with us and continuing to support this. From a land-based engineering point of view, one of the first things that we're going to do is discuss how we approach it together as an industry next year. This year was brilliant. And actually, you know, with the, the We Are Land-Based team did a, did a brilliant job at actually kind of gelling it together. And as you know, John Deere and Kuhn and, and, and Rich here from Agco would, would agree with that and would saying that all over the event that actually having the knowledge trail that they put together, which guided the visitors from piece of kit to piece of kit to piece of kit, kit really did bring it all together. Dan and Gareth uh, did an amazing job and we're really pleased with the way that that worked, as were John Deere, Agco and, and Kuhn. But we need to think about how we engage the audience next year perhaps you know in a similar but but maybe different way i think it worked brilliantly this year i think the farming simulator setup that john deere brought with three different screens an element of competition the build your tractor element with the meccano sets it was all more hands-on than what we've previously had it went down very 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 well but and I'm, i am going to say this it is a significant investment for the likes of Agco, John Deere, and Kuhn to be there with us, and of course the AEA. But I mean, from a point of view, getting that big kit into London is is it is a significant investment to then get it there, resource it, and actually, as I said on the on the last time we spoke, Chris, on this podcast, that they're not doing it for themselves; they are doing it for the industry. So I would love to speak to and engage with other machinery manufacturers that actually might take the baton on. You know, maybe, you know, Richard and the team from Agco could actually have a smaller part of the exhibit next year and do something kind of VR-based as opposed to having to bring in the forager into London, for example. And perhaps another manufacturer could provide that because they are, they do go down um, a real treat. So getting the industry working together to tackle this skill shortage and perhaps doing it in different ways, I'm, you know, really key for that to continue and it will continue but i think it is only fair that perhaps you know other manufacturers that will benefit from this work actually think actually it, why don't we take this on i hope that's okay to say because that would work brilliantly well and it would certainly help out the likes of john deere adco coop was was there a particular highlight 
Uh, yeah, there, w- there was a standout highlight actually amongst many, uh, but that was, I think, on the school's day, I walked past and noticed that, that Charlie Rodderson from Agco and Alan Cochran from John Deere together very enthusiastically speaking to the same group of school children. And I think, again, that for me, particularly from the engineering, from the machinery side of things, that was a, the perfect example of, of why we do this. Likewise, we, with Richard here and, and Chris Wiltshire from John Deere having an interview together on over the weekend, which we recorded, again, working together and just to make that point that, again, they're not doing it for their brand, really. They're doing it for the industry and seeing that the look on not only the children's faces while they were listening to Alan and Charlie, but also Alan and Charlie's faces, just their delight at working together and speaking to these young people about engineering in the industry was brilliant. Well, I think that is the message, isn't it? We are all in this together. And I think I think it's the only way that the industry can stand up and be counted against the disciplines like space technology, uh, yes. Formula One cars and the like, which obviously have got a much more sexier presentation. And so if, if we can get the message across of the, the technology of this industry, then... Uh, that can already be a good thing. And of course, there's so much breadth and depth within it, it's almost difficult to package it and, and leave room for it, as many people as you, I'm sure you'd like. Richard, as an old hand at this now, um, is, there, is there things that you would do differently? I, I, I suppose it's just a question of evolution. As your uh, offering to um, to farmers evolves, then, then, then so your offering to the visitors at shows like this is going to evolve, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, Chris. It's, you know, for us, it's a starting point. It's, it's getting the kit at the wider public. You know, as you said earlier, we're very good at preaching to the converted, at doing an agricultural show with agricultural people that attend. Um, but then we sit back and complain that there's not enough people coming into the industry. This is the reason we've linked up with Anna. This is the reason we've done three shows now. Uh, with different bits of kit in different regions. As Anna says, for me, it is time to probably hand the baton to someone else. And because we are, like, you know, myself and my colleague from John Deere, we, we are doing it on behalf of the wider industry. Yes, they see our products and yes, potentially, you know, we, we are growing our sort of apprentices and for the wider public, but, but the industry needs to take stock of this is a good thing to do. It, does showcase the industry as a whole uh, and maybe it's not down to Agco and John Deere to do it every time or every year as you quite rightly say as our operating develops and, and our technologies develop then we'd ultimately change what we what we showcase at an event like that but it is still very early days when you when you're talking about children that have never never set foot on a farm or even they think their eggs come from Sainsbury's and that's the, the basic level we're at to be honest um, it is just showcasing what we've got, a very low basic level, um, and just making sure that the industry keep engaging with it. And Dan, if I could come to you more or less last, um, because I think there's little doubt that the We Are Land-Based Engineering campaign has made a, shall I say, an impressively solid start, but obviously there's so much more to do that you can do. Guess it's wrong to ask you what you would do next year, um, because you need to get back and process this and see see what works. But any early thoughts on that uh, from us? We certainly enjoyed doing the knowledge trail to tie it all together, which I'm glad the response was good from everybody. 
Um, so we'd probably look to do something like that again. We've actually already spoken to someone we know in the industry about precision spraying to see if there's anything in the pipeline demonstration wise, Could we would also like a bit more interactivity. Although it was fantastic to have people come to our stands either through the knowledge trail or just through general interest, we'd like something else to draw them in. Um, but overall, we're, we're very happy with the, the success of the stand that we had, the people that we had around us and the guests that, that joined us, really. And in a way, you were a conduit to the, the, the lot of the exhibits then, were you? We, yes, we, we think so, definitely. Um, and, and what was nice was the overall willingness from everybody on the stands to be part of it, to have people come and ask the same question. We actually counted up the number and we just, we had just over a thousand participants that did, did the quiz for the prizes. So we're fantastically happy with that. So after the, obviously after three days of, uh, Kuhn, for example, having the same question of how deep to plant pumpkin seed, we are eternally grateful that they did listen and answer it every single time. Um, but no, we, we were glad to be part of it and we, we are very thankful that we were able to join and be useful to people. Um, and we, we just look forward to next year. We've got some good options coming up for school visits and more careers based events rather than industry based events. I think we've spent 12 months doing well establishing ourselves, but now it's time to get on and talk to the schools, the colleges, the universities where necessary. And that's very much a gateway to, to the industry. Yeah. Well, can I thank all three of you very much? I'm so pleased it went well. And uh, I guess this is probably one of your major events uh, during your calendar. And uh, um, you, you, do you start planning now for next year? Yeah. Yeah. We're having a, um, a focus group meeting next month uh, at New Scientist Lives offices. So uh, lots of our partners, most of our partners that work with us this year in some uh, organizations that haven't supported it before are going to come along and find out more about it. So the, pl yeah, the planning, the planning starts immediately. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, and, and Richard, are you able to, to, um, follow up directly with, uh, leads and that, that you got there? No, not really. Um, it's very difficult to find, we have some Google analytics on our websites. To be honest, you know, it, it's working, uh, something's working. 2018, had 27 yeah. apprentices in the ADCO scheme in one single year group. We have 92 starters this year. We've done three events like this, plus a few other events. And we, our land base, have, you know, have come to the party as well and, and are doing what they're doing. Something is working, whether it's New Scientists Live, whether it's just engagement at schools and pushing our dealers a little bit harder. The facts and figures are that our, our six colleges now are oversubscribed, so... We've got uh, we've got numbers coming from somewhere, Chris. Good, excellent, uh, Dan. Thank you again for for taking part, and most interesting to hear your observations on uh, the role of the We Are land based engineering newest new scientists like uh, because it's a kind of event that we don't get in our industry. We we have agricultural shows, and we have obviously Open Farm Sunday, and that sort of thing. But to deep dive into the food and farming industry like this that New Scientist Live gives you the opportunity to do so. Plenty to take back to Peterborough then, Dan. Uh, yes, indeed. We've got uh, plenty of uh, leads to follow now on that for uh, schools and colleges. So it'll keep us busy up until next year's event, I think. Fantastic.
Well, look, once again, thank you ever so much. I've really enjoyed that. It's, uh, and, and congratulations to you all on what you put into it and hopefully get out of it as well. So, uh, Anna, uh, Richard, Dan, thank you very much indeed for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. So again, well done to all those involved. Quite apart from the opportunity that New Scientist Live provided to engage with a largely urban, non-rural audience, and of course, with school children, it is clear that there is much to be gained from specialist sectors like land-based engineering, strengthening the bond with others in the farming and food production industry. Because in the long run, we are all dependent on one another, and we've got a really positive and powerful message to get across. I'm Chris Biddle. Thanks for joining me. And this is Inside Agriturf.